My guest on the show this week is Richard Tubb, a self-confessed procrastinator and geek who's still an extremely successful business person. We talk about productivity tips and not-to-do lists. Welcome to episode 104 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business, and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now, here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you for downloading or streaming the show, and for all your support. I really do appreciate it. One of the issues that comes up on the show time and time again is complexity in business and complexity in marketing. It's a real shame that so many businesses sleepwalk into complexity. One of my goals in business is to help you to keep things simple, to help keep your marketing simple. If you think I can help you, please do get in touch. We could set up a 30-minute simple strategy chat on Skype to discuss your goals and the issues you face. So look me up at rogeredwards.co.uk and do please get in touch. Now, let's get into this week's interview with Richard Tubb. We're going to talk about how clear communication is one of the best ways to improve productivity, why you should avoid becoming a slave to email and social media, how to prevent other people from running your calendar, and using the Pomodoro technique to get things done. Richard helps IT companies grow in a scalable and sustainable way. He believes developing effective relationships is key to business success and helps his clients get connected with more clients, with suppliers, and with the wider IT world. He's a popular speaker and appeared at the Content Marketing Academy Conference 2016 talking about how to become more productive. So let's get right into that interview with Richard here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Richard Tubb, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Roger. Richard, where are we Skyping each other from today? Of course, I'm in Edinburgh, as always. Well, mine, uh, my situation is a little bit uh, confusing of late, is probably the best way to put it. So uh, as any of your listeners will be able to tell from the accent, I think, I'm from Birmingham, um, and that's where I was born and bred. I'm actually in Newcastle-upon-Tyne at the moment, uh, which is where my other half lives, so I spend quite a lot of time in this part of the world. And I also split my time uh, between Birmingham, Newcastle, and Manchester, where I've got a place as well. So, um, so no yeah. fixed abodes, basically, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just like a hobo, a vagrant, yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> I get around. <laughs> and, and Richard, you run a website called Tub Blog, and the the strapline is the uh, quite intriguing putting IT consultants back in control. Uh, but we met um, in the summer, uh, June 2016, at the Content Marketing Academy conference in Edinburgh, and you did a really interesting speech about productivity and all sorts of tips and hacks that people who are busy business people could do to increase their output, increase their productivity. And I want to have a chat with you about that today, in addition to what you do to help put IT consultants back into in control. But before we get to that, Richard, apart from being a person of no fixed abode, give me a little bit of a feel for what makes you tick. Sure, sure. So my background um, is one, let, let's be honest about this, Roger, I'm a massive geek. 
Um, I have always worked in the IT industry. Um, I used to run an IT business uh, based in Birmingham that served small businesses in the UK. Um, I ran that business from 2003 to 2010 when I sold the business. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what I do now on a day-to-day -day basis is um, help put IT consultants back in control. Well, what does that mean? I, Really, I help IT business owners to focus on what's important and to free up their time and essentially to make more money. And I do that by uh, bringing to bear my experience of running my own IT managed service provider, as we call it in our industry, mm -hmm. um, and helping those IT business owners to, 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 to avoid the mistakes that I made and to learn from my experience, really. And essentially, the bottom line is to be more efficient and to make more money. And I suppose the strap line putting IT consultants back in control implies that at the moment they aren't in control. Is that right? Mm -hmm. it, it can be. Uh, I mean, I released a book earlier this year called uh, The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide, right. which might sound a little bit of a, dare I say, a negative title. It's really not. But as somebody who's been in the position of running an IT business before, I know just how out of control you can get. Mm -hmm. So I think this is true for any business owners, but especially within the IT industry. Um, it's very difficult to run the business, to wear all those different hats, to be um, the HR person, the finance person, the sales person. Uh, but then in the IT industry, you've also got to be the engineer. Um, but the difference with the IT industry, perhaps from other industries, is it moves so quickly. Of course. So perhaps the um, the knowledge you've got has essentially got a half-life of about 18 months, I'd say. So, um, you know, new technologies are coming out and, and the clients expect you to know everything there is to know about the IT that's out there on the market. The biggest example recently would have been, or in recent times, I should say, would have been um, the advent of the cloud, mm. um, which I know is impacting all industries. But um, certainly, you know, going back to, uh, seven, eight years ago, my business was built off the back of um, selling pieces of tin, essentially, you know, big fat servers and computers and uh, software, selling those into clients. Now, um, people are essentially renting the software and storing their data in the cloud mm. with Google and with Microsoft and others. So that's a great example of how uh, the IT industry has fundamentally changed. So. On a day-to-day -day basis, I help the IT business owners to come to grips with those changes and uh, to develop themselves personally as leaders um, and to become better business owners. It's interesting, actually, because one of the topics that often comes up on this podcast is the theme of complexity. And certainly within professional organisations, complexity does seem to be a bit of a problem. Um, and a lot of, uh, for example, a financial advisor firm or a law firm or an accountancy firm, sometimes that that complexity is self-created. They create the complexity themselves. But yeah. IT actually sounds as if complexity is just a way of life. How do you deal with that complexity and, and actually try to make things simpler whilst at the same time keeping abreast of everything that's happening? Well, it is all about simplification. And I can give you a really good example, Roger, today mm -hmm. of um, I was uh, speaking with a, a client and we were doing a coaching call. And uh, this is an IT business uh, based down south. And they were telling me, oh, we've got a, a proposal um, upcoming and I'd really like to get it out the door. Uh, OK, what's stopping you from doing that? Well, um, you know, we're, we're not sure about what the document should look like. And I said, well, what would it look like if you just dropped the, the uh, prospective client uh, a short email with two or three bullet points and said, that's the service we're going to provide. This is how much it's going to cost. Um, do you have any questions? And there was a thunderous silence come back the other end. It was like, of course, it doesn't need to be that difficult. You know, just getting the information across there, 
quite often we as business owners make things more difficult than they necessarily need to be. We also make a huge number of assumptions. I think certainly in the IT industry, we make assumptions over the client's budget. We make assumptions over what they want and don't want. When the bottom line is, I think if we keep quiet more, listen more, uh, and ask the right questions, uh, clients will invariably tell us what they actually want. And I think a lot a lot of the time people do want simplicity, don't they? I think it, it doesn't matter whether it's IT, whether it's uh, professional services, whether it's uh, car maintenance. Ultimately, most customers just want to be told what's what, what's what and simply. Yeah, and, and one of the mantras that you know I've lived by over the past few years, certainly within my own business, um, as well as within uh, the IT industry as a whole, is what would this look like if it were easy? Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep coming back to that question again and again. So whenever I feel as though I hit a roadblock within the business, uh, my own business, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure how to proceed, I ask the question, what would it look like if this was easy? And, and quite often that, that question can allow you to um, then to break it down and say, what are we actually trying to achieve here? And why am I trying to overcomplicate things? Yeah, so I, w- I would encourage your listeners to ask themselves that same question. And I think as well, I mean, I've worked in big corporates and I've dealt with quite a lot of IT departments and Rightly or wrongly, sometimes IT get the blame when things go wrong. But a lot of the time, it's possible that it was the, say, if I call myself a customer of the IT department, I might not have actually specified what I wanted accurately enough or clear enough. So I think I've told them I want A. They go away and build B. And it comes back and I said, well, actually, what I really wanted was C. So I suppose a a clear communication is, is absolutely essential. It is, and you've hit the nail on the head there. One of one of my clients in the Midlands region um, got this absolutely the other day, and he shared an analogy with me. He said um, it's the equivalent of me telling somebody in the office to put a door up, and then when I come back, they put the door up, and I say, oh, I wanted it to hang from left to right, or <laughs> I wanted a bronze handle on it as opposed to a silver handle. Well, of course, they didn't specify any of that. So from the person, the point of view of the person putting the door up, they put the door up. <laughs> But from the point of view of the customer, of, uh, of the person asking them to put it up, they need to understand realistically that um, it, it's not just a case of just put the door up, make the problem go away. What do they really want? Now, interestingly, what I teach a lot of uh, IT companies is instead of getting frustrated with clients when they don't specify these things, um, it's to educate the clients and say, okay, just if we use the analogy about the door again, although not many of my clients uh, make a living out of putting doors up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um they need to understand. Uh, they've got to ask those questions up front. Well, what type of handle would you like? Would mm-hmm. you, uh, what you know, what type of screws we're going to use, um, and so on and so forth. And that way, it's just uh, bringing your experience to bear, understanding that the clients are probably going to have these questions, but they've not even thought about them themselves yet. Mm. And that's the difference, really, between being essentially what I would call in our industry an IT guy, just a technician, and being an IT consultant, Mm -hmm. somebody who understands and helps the client to understand what they really want. And I think the clearer the communication earlier in the process, then ultimately everybody wins at the end of the process. And and this simplicity um, really just leads us into, into what I was wanting to talk to you about today on the productivity side because you're helping people to keep things simple and and that will increase their productivity but you were up on stage at the content marketing academy conference in edinburgh in june and you were talking about productivity you weren't necessarily talking about it it was just generally how business people in any industry can be more productive how how did how did you get involved in uh, in talking about that sort of subject on a stage richard 
Yeah, well, it, uh, my uh, uh, background as an IT business owner was, um, to put, it, to put no, not too fine a point on it, Roger, chaotic. I'm a lazy <laughs> individual. Uh-huh. Uh, I, as I've already alluded to, I'm, I'm a massive geek. I'm I think that, that's one of the things that stood out. I think when you stood up on the stage, the first thing you said, you didn't say, hello, I'm Richard. You just said, I'm a lazy sod or something like that. <laughs> well, perhaps, you know, I'm making light of it, but it's not too far from the truth. <laughs> Let's be honest there. I really do like to make life easy and, and actually it doesn't need to be complicated. Mm-hmm. So this this whole idea of productivity comes from the drive when I was an IT business owner of what would it look like if it was easy? How, how can I make life easy for myself? And that invariably meant putting processes in place, putting systems in place, um, reducing the number of decisions I need to make on a day-to-day basis so that my time and energy can be used for the things that are really important to me. Um, And as I said at the uh, Content Marketing Academy when I was stood on the stage in Edinburgh, that might be spending more time with clients, it might be spending more time with friends and family, it might be sitting around watching Netflix, but I get to decide what I do with my time if the rest of the business is uh, ticking along and I'm not having to to put fires out all day, every day. And I think that, of course, these days with digital technology, with all its advantages and with all the opportunities that digital technology can bring us to create content, to develop our businesses, it also introduces a hell of a lot of distraction into our lives as well. You know, we've got alerts going off every couple of seconds. You've got emails piling into your inbox. That digital noise can become quite overwhelming, can't it? And, and you found quite a few ways of of, um, of coping with all that. Effectively, taking yeah. back control of um, of a digital environment that can actually overwhelm people. Well, well, it can. It's really interesting. I'm, you know, I'm uh, without giving too much away. I'm old enough to remember when uh, email first became the shiny new thing. And yeah. Of course, uh, <laughs> we can remember the excitement of receiving an email. Wow, this is brilliant! And then somewhere along the line, that changed into. Oh, I've got another email and another email and another email. And most of us have at best a love-hate relationship with email now. Mm. Certainly I do. Um, but yeah, the amount of distractions, bombardments uh, that we've got coming in every day, um, you know, it's a case of if you don't manage it, it's going to take control of you. Mm-hmm. So some of the uh, presentation I gave at the Content Marketing Academy was talking about, hey, look, the world is going to keep on turning if you turn off those notifications and if you concentrate on the work that you need to do. And email especially, you know, I've always described it as um, as being somebody else's way of dictating your to-do list. Yes. Um, and, of course, if you, if you just spend all of your time responding to what people ask of you, you're never really going to make much forward progress with your own business. So I've, I've taught clients on how to, to manage their email, to reduce the number of emails that um, not only that they receive – but that they send because email begets email. Mm-hmm. And so this might sound strange for, for people working in the IT industry, but I teach people to use that old fashioned device that we, we have called the telephone. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, I wrote a blog, I think it was uh, three, four years ago now, where I spent an entire month experimenting with using the phone instead of email. Um, and the results were were fairly surprising. Uh, firstly, not surprisingly, the amount of emails I received dropped because people nowadays have got into the habit of using email as a conversation tool. And it's really not there. Mm. You know, a more efficient way to have a conversation is to meet up or to pick up the phone and, and talk to one another. Um, but people have got into this habit of bouncing emails backwards and forwards. Um, and so if I was receiving an email that I thought could be answered uh, more efficiently by picking up the phone, I would do that. And I still do that. 
And interestingly, people's reaction ranged from... Um, what are you doing? Uh, why are you, fo- why are you phoning me? What, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Why are you phoning me? I said, well, well you emailed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was quicker. Oh, yeah. And some people absolutely got it. And other people um, just just didn't get it at all. It was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable, especially younger people, it's got to be said nowadays. Um, uh, you know, they, <laughs> I'll be speaking to another client of mine and they're saying their uh, teenage daughter, if you, if uh, as a dad, if he phones her, um, she'll send it straight to voicemail. Um, she'll ignore it. <laughs> Yet, if he texts her, she'll text back immediately. I, th- I think it's an in- extremely interesting thing to just uh, to dwell on for a moment. This how email and other digital technology can actually control us rather than us being in control of it. I remember actually um, being on holiday on a beautiful Caribbean island. Um, this is this is quite a few years ago now, but we were into the digital age by then. And I was sat on this absolutely gorgeous beach. So if you imagine beautiful golden sand, crystal blue water, and a sort of green mountainous uh, peak behind, you know, absolutely idyllic place. And the family came and sat on the beach quite close to us. And mother and the three kids went straight into the sea, but dad had, well, I was quite impressed, actually, had one of those really cool wooden director's chairs that he pulled out of a bag, and he sat on this, and his other bag was down by the side of this chair, and I watched him, and his right hand was sort of quivering, and I realised what was going on, so I said to my wife, you just watch this guy, you just watch this guy, and we timed him, and it was about five and a half minutes before the hand went into the bag, and at the time, it was a Blackberry rather than an iPhone, but the Blackberry came out, and there he was typing away and I'm thinking for goodness sake you must be on one of the most beautiful beaches in the world and yet you're a slave to your email yes. now I've no idea who he was he could have been an incredibly important CEO I suspect he probably wasn't but he's got to a stage where something either fear or or just responsibility made him think that even when he was on holiday in such a beautiful location he was a slave to email and slave to communication. And we can't let ourselves get into that situation. Well, it's crazy, isn't it, Roger? I mean, yeah. at what stage, you, you said, you know, he might have been, um, you know, a high powered individual or whatever. But at what stage do we grow as individuals? How much power uh, and uh, wealth and everything else do we accumulate yet find ourselves trapped more and more by? I, I heard <laughs> a fantastic story. It's also, a, you know, a sort of really sad story recently. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was from um, the podcaster and author uh, Tim Ferriss, right? And he was saying he was trying to put together a uh, a, a retreat, um, a get together uh, on a tropical island um, with some of the world's top billionaires. So we're right. not even talking millionaires here; we're talking billionaires. Billionaires, you know, the the, the top one percent of the five percent who have really made it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting all these uh, the greatest brains in the world together to uh, to have fun and exchange ideas. And uh, to his amazement, you know, the first. Uh, half a dozen uh, billionaires he got in touch with said, oh, I, I wouldn't be able to find the time mm-hmm. uh, away from the business to actually attend that retreat. And the realization struck him. He said, well, if you can't find the time when you've got a billion pounds in the bank, <laughs> yeah. when can you find the time? And I think that's a really good example of how, you know, we can, uh, you know, why do we work so hard? Um, you know, what is the end goal there? Is it just to accumulate wealth? Or what, what's the point in that? And, and and going back to, you know, to the original uh, question you were asking about how uh, uh, letting technology dictate to us, it, 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 it can dictate to any of us mm. from 
a teenager walking down the street who cannot lift their eyes away from the phone um, to to the highest powered CEO. If we don't take control of the technology, it's going to take control of us. So you made a decision, Richard, that you wanted to focus on the important things like growing your business, seeing clients, helping your clients to grow their businesses. What were the stages that you went through and therefore what are the stages that anybody can go through to start to eliminate some of this digital noise and and to become less subservient to the technology and and taking control back? I think the first thing is to to put blocks of time aside to do the work that's important to Mm -hmm. you. So most of us um, say, I, I hear the same things again and again from IT business owners from any uh, uh, manner of business owner. They say, oh, I wish I had more time to spend with my clients. I wish I had more time to do marketing. I wish I wasn't rushing from, from one place to another. Uh, and of course, all, all of these uh, wishes, well, it, it is possible uh, to regain uh, control and to, to, do, to spend more time with clients, to do the marketing that you need to do, to do the personal development, to become a better leader. But you've got to carve the time out for it. You've got to make the time for it. Mm. And that means not continuously responding to other people's demands on you. Yeah. Now, um, uh, for instance, I, uh, as an experiment, uh, it's coming up to four years ago now, um, after I sold the IT business, um, uh, I got into what I'm doing now, which is helping other IT business owners to grow their business. And 12 minutes into doing that, I suddenly realized, you know what, I'm getting just as busy as I ever was. Mm -hmm. And if I don't stop to smell the coffee, so to speak, what is the point? I've literally just jumped from one business to another here. Mm -hmm. So as an experiment, I started taking Fridays off. Um, and I let clients know about it. I um, you know, had a team around me. I let them know about it. Uh, and, and people were, there was a mixture of almost like shock and awe. What, mm-hmm. You're not going to work Fridays? Um, well, how's, how's, <laughs> how are things going to continue? I said, well, I've told people about this. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, if people, if, if an emergency comes up, of course, people can get in touch with me. But how often do, is there actually emergencies in my line of business there's not at all, really. It's only me uh, pr- pr- um, uh, projecting um, my sort of inadequacies and thinking oh, I'm, I'm too important to uh, to not be available 24-7 that's doing that. And four years on, I still only work, f- work four days a week. And the really interesting thing, nobody's ever complained about me not being available on a Friday because the... Um, the limitations are set there. They understand when I'm going to be available. And there's never been a case where I've lost any business or any emergencies have cropped up on a Friday that couldn't wait until a Monday. So for me, taking a whole day out of the week, um, I think is a really good example of uh, how you can run a business without giving yourself 100%. I'm not going to say 100% of the business. I'm not talking about slacking off here. Mm-hmm. Um, but committing everything, all of your life and everything else to the business, it's really not necessary in my point of view. And of course, there are all sorts of other things that you could do as well. You could say, well, I'm only going to answer emails between 9am and 10am, and then 3pm and 4pm. And if you email me outside of those times, don't expect an instant response. I guess a lot of it's just making sure that people understand where you are and what you what your procedure is. And as you say, a couple of hours goes by. It's not essential that that answer comes straight away. You can You can move with it. Yeah, I mean, one of the most common uh, complaints that I hear from new IT business or, or new clients, I should say, who are IT business owners that work with me, is they will invariably say, oh, I had a client phone me at nine o'clock last night, 9 p.m. at home, interrupted, you know, dinner with the family and all the rest of it. And 
and perhaps this could be true for, for the listeners to your podcast, there might be a few nodding heads here. Yeah. Um, uh, and then my next question to them is, well, why did you answer the phone? <laughs> well, <laughs> because, you know, the very first time you answer a, the phone to a client at 9 p.m. on the night is uh, you're setting a precedent there and you're saying it's okay for you to call me at 9 p.m. on the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, they will do again and again and again from that point going forward. So what I uh, what, what I learned a long time ago when I was running an IT business was um, I wouldn't ignore the client, but I would tactically delay um, a response to the, to the client. So even if I'm just sat around watching Netflix doing nothing important, if that client phones me at 9 p.m. on the night, I wouldn't answer the phone. And then maybe 30 minutes later, I might drop a text message and I might stretch the truth a little bit and say something on the lines of, um, uh, oh, sorry, I missed your call. I'm out for a meal with the family. Is there anything I can do to help? Now, I'm doing two things there. I'm actually, I'm setting up to them. I'm saying, oh, you realize it's a, a, an evening and I've got a life. And secondly, I'm out with my family. Yeah. This is important to me. I'm doing something. Um, and in the in 99% of the times, the client would uh, drop me a text message back or drop me a line back and say, hey, don't worry about it. It was a problem and I've sorted it out now. So I learned the lesson that quite often clients uh, would flap and would flail and think, oh, I've got an issue. It's not really that important. It definitely could wait until the, uh, the morning after. But they decide that I'm going to impose what I think is important on you. And it's down to you whether you let them do that or not. So we've got email under control. Do we need to take it further? What about a virtual assistant or something like that? Would you you use a virtual assistant, don't you? I do. Holly, my virtual assistant, put her up on the big screen at uh, the Content Marketing Academy in Edinburgh, and she got lots of lots of tweets here. But to, to give an example of um, the, the type of work that Holly does for me, um, so Holly looks after my calendar. Um, so going backwards and forwards, you know, trying again emails. How often? How many of us have? email back and forth trying to find a time to meet with somebody and it's oh it's it's just painful so holly um uh, picks up the phone gives them a call puts something in the diary she's got full access to my diary um holly will also do things like organize travel for me she will respond to emails on my behalf and, and make sure the only emails that get through to me are uh, important emails that that need my time mm-hmm. um and and the really interesting thing here if if you know if you're listening to this and thinking well that that sounds wonderful but um, I'm surely only Richard Branson, like, you know, the real captains of industry have PAs. Absolutely not. You know, uh, uh, I uh, the work that Holly does for me, she perhaps spends on, on average no more than about 10 hours a month um, uh, working for me. So what we're looking at for, for UK listeners, you know, a couple of hundred, uh, 250 pounds a month or whatever um, uh, for her time. Uh, but it makes an immense amount of uh, time available for me to do things that are important to me. So going back to uh, my no working on a Friday, I've got an out of office message that basically says, um, yep, I don't work on a Friday. If you've got any really pressing um, emergencies, uh, here's the details of my PA, Holly, and you can get in touch. Nobody's ever got in touch with Holly. Nobody's ever got in touch with Holly on a Friday to say, I desperately need to speak to Richard. But most people are placated by um, the ability to know that somebody is there if they need to. Um, But people do respect boundaries if you put them in place. And of course, one of the things that's really important about what you've said there, Richard, is that, yes, you might be sitting there thinking, goodness gracious, 200, 300 quid for a personal assistant. I don't really want to pay that sort of money. But you've just said that's freed up at least 10 hours of your time, perhaps. Mm -hmm. 
And if you could bill that 10 hours at your normal day rate, that would be considerably yeah. more than 250 quid. <laughs> it's considerably more than So it makes sense when you put it like into those terms. You're freeing yourself up from the, the, um, the day-to-day mundane stuff, freeing you up to do what you do best, which is help IT consultants get back into control, help businesses to grow, help people to expand their uh, marketing, etc. It just makes perfect sense. But some of us would just get would get just get stuck at the two hundred and fifty pound investment. Well, uh, and again, you've used the you've hit the nail on the head with the the wording you've used there. It's an investment. Mm. So if I you know said to any of your listeners, um, if you give me twenty pounds, I will give you a hundred pounds back. Yes, they're going to say, yeah, that's a great deal. I'm going to do that. Yet, why do we? That's effectively what you're doing by hiring a virtual assistant or hiring people to um, to, to help you in any manner of, uh, of roles within the business. Yet, why do we struggle uh, to do that? And so, and, and I guess, you know, for the listeners of, of, of your podcast, um, uh, going to be working in the financial industry, um, how much time uh, perhaps would a listener waste um, booking travel or answering telephone calls that they don't need to or sending emails or doing administration? lots of different things um, so I, I would challenge anybody listening to this podcast really think about what uh, what's the highest value use of your time and what are the jobs that you could outsource to other people to do great advice Richard so you've cleared the email problem presumably you can also block social media from your um, devices as well so that they're not constantly interrupting you during the day so you can focus on your customers what are the what other productivity tips have you got for people on how to be more productive once you've cleared the distractions? Mm, well, there's. Uh, I think the, the the single biggest one that comes to mind is we're all familiar with the idea of the to do list. You know, mm. writing things down that we've got to get on with. Um, I'm a big fan of the not to do list. Right. Uh, and my not to do list is uh, considerably smaller than my to do list most of the time. But to give you some examples of what's on my not to do list, so we we talked about social media. On my not-to-do list is um, I uh, don't graze on social media. So I don't uh, check in on Twitter in between telephone calls. I don't have a quick look at Facebook when I'm going between meetings. I don't do these things. And the reason I don't do them is I know, and I know you know, Roger, uh, uh, that if we just drop into social media just to see who's messaged us and who's to, to left message, it's uh, just a rabbit hole that we can go down. And before we know it, um, you know, we've spent an hour messing around looking at uh, videos of cats on the <laughs> yeah. internet and things, which That's is it. wonderful if you want to spend the time doing that. I've got, <laughs> as a cat lover, I've got nothing against looking at videos of cats. But did you really mean to spend an hour doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, were you intentional about the time that you spent there? Or um, did you just get sucked in um, uh, by the, the content that's out there. So uh, one of the things on my not to do list is not to graze on social media. I put blocks of time aside when I'm going to go on social media. And it's interesting. Um, I, uh, to give an example, when I said about only working four days a week now, you would have thought that's going to reduce my productivity, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, by one, one day a week. The reality is because I know I've only got four days a week, I work on the things that are important and crack on and get those things done. Um, and it's this anybody listening to the podcast who's had a really uh, a purple patch of productivity in the run up to a holiday, for instance, mm. will understand this effect. If you know the work will expand to fit the time available. So if you put uh, uh, 
barriers, if you put uh, restraints in, in the way of the amount of time that you're going to spend, you will get the work done. And so that, that applies uh, to social media as well. If you put an hour aside, you probably won't spend an hour looking at videos of cats and you'll probably get on with the important things that you need to do on social media. So a not-to-do list is hugely important for me. Perhaps if I give a, a couple of other examples of what's on my not-to-do list. Of course, um, yeah. Uh, something else that's not that's on my not to do list is um, uh, the phone. My smartphone um, gets turned off, uh, uh, gets put onto silent mode after nine of the clock of the night, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come into the bedroom with me. It gets turned off and it gets put in a separate room. Because how many of us jump? I was going to say jump out of bed. How many of us uh, zombie like rise from bed and then uh, grab out of our phone and immediately go into Facebook or emails or any one of a million other distractions. And what happens if you do that in the morning is, again, you're letting somebody else dictate to you your mood and dictate to you the, uh, your to-do list for mm. the day. Now, for me, I get up. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of meditation. I read a chapter of a book. Um, I've got a routine that eases me into the day. Then I work on something important to my business. Uh, I don't actually look at emails usually until 10, 10.30 in the morning. Um, and that way I find I can get on with the things that are important to me and I set the day up. I'm in the right frame of mind to tackle the day. Now, some of your listeners might be saying at this stage, well, I couldn't possibly do that in case there's emergencies. I would really challenge you. <laughs> We've already talked about the telephone, not email. If something's a real emergency, um, why are you educating your clients to email you with that? And if something's a real emergency, um, uh, you know, why is somebody going to email you uh, and expect you to 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 read an email? Is, is can it really wait? Uh, is it really emergency? Or what would happen if you did respond to them at ten in the morning instead of eight in the morning or seven in the morning? Um, so again, I challenge people on that because. People do push back and say, oh, well, I couldn't possibly live without email. I couldn't possibly live without my smartphone. I couldn't possibly do any number of things that I mentioned. You can. It's just a case of the assumptions that you've made over uh, how other people are going to react to the work that you do. It's almost like a drug, isn't it? You know, oh, I've got, is, I've got to yeah. get it. I've got to get the phone. I've got to get the phone. I've got to get the email. And I guess yeah. that once you've weaned yourself off it, and there might be withdrawal symptoms for a while, you know, it's like when you come off coffee and caffeine, you ache like mad for a few um, days afterwards, and then your body recovers from the um, caffeine withdrawal. It'll be a bit like that. But once you change the way you work, you will find that you're so much more productive and probably a lot happier as well because you're focusing on the really important stuff. You are. You, you just get that sense of achievement um, each day because, um, I, I, you know, I've done this a number of times. Even with my morning routine, uh, I've, I've woken up, I've read a chapter of a book and I've meditated. If I do nothing else that day, if I have the most unproductive day possible, hey, I've read a chapter of a book, self-development, and I've meditated. I've set myself up for a good day. So, I, you know, you just don't have bad days when you start, when you get into the routine of doing that. For most of us, um, we wouldn't dream of leaving the house without cleaning our teeth, or we wouldn't dream of going to bed without cleaning our teeth. That's a routine that we've put in place for our for our own personal uh, health and well-being. Um, what's to stop you, you know, in, putting other other processes in place, other routines in place for your health and well-being? It doesn't have to be the case that you jump up, grab your smartphone, and uh, and then start answering emails. And there was one other thing which was fascinating that you mentioned in your speech at the um, Content Marketing Academy conference, Richard, and that was something that you called the Pomodoro technique. Mm. Just tell me a little bit about that. 
So as I alluded to at the top of the call, Roger, um, I'm an incredibly lazy man. Um, yeah. And with laziness also comes along that horrible thing. I'm sure none of your listeners are like this uh, at all, uh, but I'm a procrastinator. Oh, tell me uh, about it. There you go. It. I've put it out there. I'm a procrastinator. Uh, if I can put something off, I will do. Let's talk uh, about procrastination later, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> we so uh, being lazy, we've already talked about, you know, I put these routines and processes in place. Um, but being the world's biggest procrastinator, how on earth do I get anything done if I'm constantly looking for ways to put it off? Yeah. Well, I use something called the Pomodoro technique. Um, uh, Pomodoro uh, is uh, well, is Italian for a slice of tomato. Okay. Um, so if you can picture a, a slice of a tomato there, a small portion of tomato. Uh, and what the Pomodoro technique says to us is that if we set a timer for 25 minutes, uh, and get to work on something can work for no more than 25 minutes on uh, on something will get started and experience tells me that merely by getting started on something you break the cycle of procrastination mm. um, interestingly more often than not and in fact today um, I'm returning after after a day off so my inbox had grown a little bit so I said oh don't really want to do that can procrastinate over not responding to emails but I'm gonna set myself 25 minutes because let's be honest if you can't find 25 minutes in a day you haven't actually got much of a life i'm going to put it out there if you can't find 20 minutes you haven't got much of a life so everybody can find 25 minutes in a day to do something that they need to do and and just this morning i uh, did my 25 minute pomodoro um the uh, the buzzer went off to say that i'd finished uh, my 25 minutes but do you know what roger i was in the flow yeah and so i you spent another on. 15 minutes and i nuked my entire inbox mm-hmm. done for the day um, you know, out there. So merely uh, by getting started, by saying, hey, I'm going to spend 25 minutes on this, quite often it takes you to the end result of finishing something up altogether. We've looked at some great ideas today for freeing ourselves up to focus on the things that matter, and that's growing our businesses, looking after our customers, and doing what we are supposed to be doing, rather than becoming the slave to digital technology. And as a successful entrepreneur, as a successful business owner like myself, you often look around at other industries to see what's happening. What what would be a good example of something that's caught your attention from another industry or for another marketing campaign or something that you've seen over the last year which has made you sit back and think, wow, I really like that? I think one thing that comes to mind, um, you know, I'm up in Newcastle upon Tyne um, uh, today and I was at a coffee shop a, a couple of days ago. And this, this is probably changing tack just a little bit, but mm. I think it's uh, really important to the conversation. And that's um, authenticity, yeah. being who you are. So I mentioned I was at this coffee shop. Um, the staff there were having a good time. Um, there was uh, the the the, uh, the menu was a little bit jokey with some of the things that they talked about, uh, the uh, the products that they had. You know, they were serving me with a smile. The uh, the Wi-Fi had a jokey uh, code and a password to, to to log on to it. And I just thought, you know what, this this is who they are. They're not pretending to be anything other than the friendly local coffee shop. Mm-hmm. They're not pretending to be Starbucks. They're not pretending to be anything at all here. But you know what? That's really uh, quite attractive. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. And how many of us, uh, I think, in any industry, um, use uh, language and use um, words and uh, generally put ourselves out there as something we're not because we expect other people to perceive us in that way. Yes. So I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, uh, yeah, as as uh, 
uh, we've already talked about my Fridays, you know, I don't work, so I've got an out of office message. Uh, and in that out of office message, so anybody who emails me on a Friday, and I'm happy for any of your your listeners to to email me on a Friday at richard at tublog.co.uk to see this, I have an out of office message and every week I change it to something that, um, that I find vaguely amusing. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, quite often I'll say something like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm away meditating if you want to break my um, zen-like st- uh, peaceful st- uh, status, you can uh, get in touch with me in this way. Nobody ever does, but the amount of people who have responded to me on the Monday and said, oh, that's, that's a brilliant out-of-office message, and I really like that. Um, they then view me in a, a much warmer, uh, much more authentic way than if I just had an out-of-office saying, not available Fridays, email me on Monday. So, uh, you know, I would encourage any of your listeners to, to think about the type of words that you use, the language, and uh, just really the demeanor that you use with clients. Is it really you? Is that who you are, or are you just trying to be what people, what you think people uh, perceive you to be? There's a lot to be said for being authentic. That old phrase, people do business with people they know, like, and trust, uh, has never been more true than it's uh, than it is today. Know, like, and trust is, is is great. I love that focus. You also mentioned earlier on, Richard, one of the books that you've written, the IT Business Owner Survival Guide. Are there any business books that you would recommend to the le- listeners of the podcast? And, and by all means, plug your own book as well. Yeah, well, well thank you for mentioning the book. I'm just going to say one, one interesting thing to me, and I know the, um, the audience of your podcast is primarily uh, financial services, although you and I were speaking before the, uh, you know, the breadth of your audience is, is growing well beyond financial mm. services. So my book, The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide, I, I was actually surprised when I was at the Content Marketing Academy in Edinburgh. My book was uh, uh, for sale there, and um, uh, quite a few people uh, came, you know, bought a copy of the book and said, hey, Richard, would you sign it, which is very good for my ego and uh, <laughs> uh, very good for, for the pocket as well. But interesting, the people who were approaching me um, uh, to get signed copies of the book um, weren't IT business owners. Mm. And when I asked them, I said, oh, OK, what's your, what's your business? And, you know, there was everything from photographers to uh, marketing companies and everything in between. Uh, and they said, oh, well, most of the stuff that you were talking about, if you take out the word IT from the IT business, it's applicable to any business. <laughs> and I guess that's, you know, that sort of surprised me. I, my niche is IT businesses, but uh, uh, but it is applicable to any business, really. Mm-hmm. W- with that said, you, the, the question you asked was, uh, what books have been influential for me and I'd recommend? There's a number of books that have been fairly life-changing for me, and I don't use that term too lightly. Um, the first one was uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, The E-Myth mm-hmm. Revisited. Uh, pretty poor title for a book, and for any, anybody listening <laughs> who's not, not heard of that book before, you might think, oh, it sounds vaguely it uh, computing, it, it's really not. The E-Myth by Michael Gerber talks about how you can um, extract yourself from your business to put in place processes and systems um, um, so you can uh, give good customer service and rec- replicable customer service. And it actually uses McDonald's um, as a really good template there. You know, when you go into any McDonald's store, um, you know you're going to get a certain level of quality. You know what to expect there. Mm-hmm. And that's really quite appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any anybody who uh, is listening to, to what we've talked about today, Roger, and thinking, you know what, a VA or outsourcing and um, systemizing the business, the E-Myth is definitely the first book um, where I'd start. Um, 
the other book that's been really life-changing for me um, was uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen, GTD. Mm-hmm. Now, GTD is a whole methodology, really, of, of, of getting stuff done. Um, and I found GTD as, as an IT, as a geek, uh, as a technician, hugely influential because it just enabled me um, to deal with the mountain of things that were coming in um, uh, to my uh, in-tray every day, to my to-do list. And, and focusing on one thing at a time and getting them done, it, essentially juggling lots of different balls. So um, GTD by uh, David Allen, a hugely recommended book as well. Fantastic. Richard, I'm hoping that a lot of people listening to the show today are going to want to get in touch with you. Now, you mm. did already mention your email address, but I'm sure you're on Twitter, etc. So what's the best way for people to get in touch? Yeah, so if, if you Google on Richard Tubb, T-U-B-B, um, I'm, I'm splattered all over the internet there. But yeah, people can email me at richard at tublog, T-U-B-B-L-O-G dot co dot UK. The book is The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide. And I'd love any of your listeners to to reach out to me via Twitter, uh, social media, any of, any of the usual places they can find me. It'd be really good to hear from them. You're the first person who's ever been on the podcast who's described themselves as being splattered all over the internet. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to include all the links to that in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Richard, it's been a fascinating chat with you today. All sorts of ideas, hacks, food for thought on how to increase your productivity and how to free yourself from being a slave to digital technology. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for coming on the show and I wish you every success for the future and let's catch up for a beer or a coffee once you move to Newcastle. Oh, Roger, I really do appreciate it. And just a a couple of things to thank you uh, for, first of all, for inviting me on. I really do appreciate it. Secondly, I love what you're doing with Snapchat at the moment. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely love it. I think um, you've got to be my favourite snapper at the moment. So, And uh, secondly, congratulations on reaching the um, the 100 episode milestone uh, for your podcast. That is a phenomenal achievement. So thanks for all the, uh, the wisdom and value you've shared through the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps, and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional, or journalist, and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions, okay? 